So Fieldcraft Survival is a company that seeks to address modern day survival problems. We have so many luxuries. We've lost touch with basic human needs, like what me and you talked about with like food, water, shelter, communications, all that stuff. And what happens when what is essentially really fragile, you know, our, our ecosystem, our uh, supply chain, you know, what happens if that goes down? How do you address that? Well, Fieldcraft Survival has sought to stand in the gap for that stuff and say, well, you know, we can do this, we can do that. We separate it into three major categories. We build a community and we go from there. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode three of the Backcountry ADV Moto podcast. I got an awesome guest today. If you've followed me on Instagram or even watched the uh, XR video that just dropped today, actually, um, you will be familiar with Mike Hernandez from Fieldcraft Survival and all of the channels that he uh, operates on his Instagram, his, his second YouTube channel that he's got. Um, Mike is kind of a, we'll say a jack of all trades. The dude is a pro when it comes to overlanding. He's kind of getting into the motorcycle space as well. So he's uh, hitting that pretty hard and he's able to take all of his four wheel overland experience and now bring it into the two wheel, the two wheel realm. So uh, yeah, here we are. Just welcome Mike Hernandez from Fieldcraft Survival, man. How are you today? Good, man. Dude, that was a beautiful intro. I appreciate yeah. it so much. <laughs> Thank you. I love it, man. Like you're, I'm doing well. Like we, um, been on like the personal side, been trying to hash out some stuff with building a new house, which has been kind of a seven year project for us since we moved to North Idaho. So super awesome to be able to start doing. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to get, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, interest rates are super high, but, um, we're really hoping since we're going through the VA, which is nice that by the time everything closes a year from now, when it's all said and done, then interest rates will be kind of somewhat back to normal. So it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, uh, are you following the car race at all right now? Um, just full of like YouTube clips, but I haven't really been like diving into it. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I was just curious. I, I, I'm i in the same boat. Like, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the whole thing this year. And I just, dude, I have not had the time to watch it. I know there's been some, there's been some things, you know, with, um, what's his name? Who's riding the Kobe? His name slips my mind right now. But mm. they've had a couple of bike issues with that, a little stuff. But so I'm oh, I'm kind of really? rooting. I'm kind of rooting for that bike um, just because everybody is such a naysayer about it. Yeah, it's been little stuff. I think there was a, yeah, there was like an oil line that came loose. And, uh, anyway, yeah, it's been, why do you, why do you think people are naysayers with, you think it's the whole Chinese bike thing or yeah, what's funny is everybody, everybody hates on it because it's a Chinese bike. And I would, I'm like one of the first people to like not support Chinese stuff, but everything that we are using right now is made in China it's from this microphone to this Apple computer, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just can't get away from it, but with the bike stuff, sorry, I'm trying to look up bro's name here for writing writing for kobe but um everybody who's watching this right now is probably like it's so and so but um anyway i, I people hate on it because it's a chinese bike and they everyone's saying that it's it's something that's not going to be reliable but this this engine is in like a million or more motorcycles in china right and and it's it's something that's been kind of tested over time and people may not know too they actually completed uh dakar last year with two of these bikes they didn't place really but the the machine finished. is finished yeah which is dude just to finish is is huge so uh 
yeah, man, it's 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 one of those things. Mason Klein, I knew it was Klein, but I could not remember his first name. Mason Klein. So I'm, he's dude. He's a beast. He is he that guy. That guy can ride. He can wrench. He can do everything. Like he pulled. I saw a clip where he pulled the entire head off of or cylinder off what? the Kobe because because he, he thought it was a, another issue, and then come to find out it wasn't that at all. It was like something to do with the shifter or something. But anyway, to be able to do that in the freaking middle of the desert during a race, dude. Man. That's another level of self-reliance, but I, I'm glad you brought that up because like I've done one race before, like King Hammers and Glover did a season of uh, rally racing, and that's the whole idea behind um, um, combining it with what we do at Footcraft Survival is that if you can pull a head off in the field or during a race, something that's a little more extreme, I mean, you can be totally self-reliant on a day-to-day basis. So I am 100% supporting anything racing wise in any vehicle when it comes to how it transfers to survival imperative. that is a great caveat actually so uh let's go get into that a little bit so let's talk about self-reliance uh Philcraft survival they preach self-reliance obviously that's like their their main deal right mm-hmm. so let me know or tell our audience here who is either listening or watching this what do you do for Philcraft survival give us kind of the the reader's digest version of what Philcraft survival is because yeah. they, they do a lot. And uh, yeah, let's just talk about that for a minute. Cool. So Fieldcraft Survival is a company that seeks to address modern day survival problems. And a lot of people, I think, immediately go to like Naked and Frayed or Zombie Apocalypse. Preppers, Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that, although is kind of a product of our times, I, I guess it's not really reality. So... When you look at uh, present day, um, uh, you know, there's currently riots in Southern uh, uh, or in South America. There's hostile takeovers, you know, civil unrest like we experienced with Chaz and all that stuff, you know, in the left coast. Um, But there's also other issues like, you know, um, how do you procure water uh, during a hurricane? Um, We saw hurricanes this year and last year. Um, We saw natural disasters. We saw man-made disasters. Um, but a lot of horse fires, yeah, oh, yeah. Hawaii, yeah, Hawaii. Oh my God, yes. I mean, there's so many things that are happening right now that because uh, we've led a lifestyle that is well, we're blessed in in this country, right? I mean, and we have so many luxuries. We've lost touch with basic human needs, like what me and you talk about with like food, water, shelter, communications, all that stuff. And what happens when what is essentially really fragile, you know, our our ecosystem, our uh, supply chain, you know, what happens if that goes down? How do you address that? Well, Phil Craft Survival has sought to stand in the gap for that stuff and say, well, you know, we can do this, we can do that. We separate it into three major categories. We build a community and we go from there. Um, so it's kind of, you know, a, a real quick explanation of what Phil Craft is. You know who the owner is, you know, which is Mike Glover. Um, you know, he's he's pretty high speed dude you know he spent 18 years um special forces guy cia another two years so full 20 year career uh fighting overseas like 10 consecutive um uh, deployments you know done every school and kind of been there done that across the planet and said how do i you know build a community and translate the stuff that we learned to be self-reliant to everyone you don't have to be you know delta force or a seal to know these things so after he started that um, he then began to build a, a group of us, um, which is the, the directors uh, in Fieldcraft Survival. I am one of them. Um, we have many, though. We have you know Kevin Estella, who leads the charge at the survival director training. 
Um, we have Nate, Doc Jones, who is our medical director. He's actually an army medic. Uh, we have Amber, who is our family preparedness director. Uh, she does a lot of like uh, women's activities, but also teaching for how to prep your homestead, your home, children. Um, and then you have me, who is mobility. I'm the vehicle side. So that's the community you see my my garage and everything that we're doing. We just did that video, like to talk about where we built those bikes. Yeah, you filmed it in your garage, yeah. In the garage, yeah. So my responsibility is everything vehicle related, whether it's build, whether it's, you know, we do um, like four uh, experiential-based trainings a year. You you came to me on the last one. You came with me on the last one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, media, marketing, uh, business development, and racing. We we have done some, you know, racing tours and maybe more in the future as we, we kind of get through there. But, yeah, that's basically what I do for Fieldcraft. Gotcha. And, yeah, that's kind of and how I get linked with Fieldcraft is we we met through – through Glover and I met Glover through just being at our store here in Coeur d'Alene, uh, being a dealer for Fieldcraft. I've always, I mean, I've followed as long as, as far back as I can remember Fieldcraft being a thing. I followed it. So whenever we opened a store, I was like, I want to carry their, um, you know, their med packs and all the things that you can carry as a, as a dealer, carry that in our store. Glover came uh, to visit one time. We hit it off, talked about motorcycles and he was like, Hey, I want to get yeah. Fieldcraft into the motorcycle space. So, and like, here's, Mikey, which here we are. <laughs> since since there's Mike Glover and Mike Hernandez, we call Mike you Hernandez. I call him Mikey. I, it, it's not like derogatory by any means. It's not because you're smaller than Mike. It's just it's easy to to, to, dif, to differentiate. Yeah. Well, eh. I wasn't gonna go there, but you said it. So, I'm dude. I'm not a big guy either, man. Like I'm I'm five I'm five foot eight. Like I'm I'm on the the smaller end of of, of people, but. So yeah, we, we hit it. So go ahead. Survive. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the current, you know, uh, climate or what, but sometimes people are afraid just to say, uh, you know, things that are reality, you know, like I'm right. And I'm not made for like cold, bro. Anytime we're out or not, I'm always freaking freezing. Dude, you wore your heated jacket, a heated jacket when it was 60 degrees outside. I am not made for that, but you put me in a 120 degree desert and I'm good, dude. You know, I'm just like, this is what it is. So I'm small, Mexican American, you know, I'm a little guy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so mo mo moving forward with that, we, we built a relationship. Uh, you like motorcycles, Glover likes motorcycles. And, uh, so, uh, we kind of decided, Hey, since I do make some YouTube videos, and I live and breathe motorcycles. How about bringing me on as a kind of a contractor to start doing some motorcycle content for the Fieldcraft Survival app? So if you're interested, Fieldcraft Survival does have an app where they basically produce all of their educational content. It's a new, they launched it this year, right? Well, 20, at the end of 2023, basically. So excellent space to go on and you can do like a free trial. And then it's just, it's a very, was it, I don't know, it's four or five bucks a month or something, right? Something like that. I'm not too yeah. sure. It's, but it's it, affordable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's affordable. Because it, it brings, like I said, the people that we're talking about and you all together. And it's like a ground up approach where we start building out, you know, define definitions of things, um, in a, in a, in a manner in which is full production, you know, which is why I really appreciate you. You're totally self-sufficient in that sense, but it'll do everything from what I started out talking about in the beginning. It'll have firearms. Um, blocks in their survival, you know, like water procurement, uh, family, you know, chickens. I mean, all the things, all the things I've just given you. 
Yeah, and, and and what's cool about it too is that it starts from the the very basics, right? So, and that that's something I kind of struggled with when you and I were filming some content. It was like, yeah, I was like, oh, well, let's talk about this, but and then we were like, well, that's great, but let's let's really not dumb it down. Yet. Let's start for to talk to somebody who has never even like basically seen a motorcycle before. Which I put it to to people this way: like, if you had a sixteen year old son or daughter who was about to drive. How would you line things out? You know, they don't know the rules of the road. They don't got their license yet, or maybe they just did. You know, where do you start? Because everybody starts from somewhere. And I think for you, who's pretty advanced, and you're like rolling on this, you know, I mean, how many episodes you have now on your YouTube? You got quite a few, right? On your YouTube, you yeah, think about 100, 150 somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't even looked at it. I have no idea. <laughs> so your beginning stuff is way back there, and your audience can go back and do that. That's what, that's what the app is essentially for us, is you can start here and then it branches out into like our training. So. Yeah. And it's, and it was fun. I mean, and it really kind of made me think too, like even this, this YouTube audience, we could really appreciate kind of going back to basics, you know, and, and starting to do more basic, even just writing skills. There's, I have a man, my, my brain's going crazy. I can't wait for the snow to melt here to start doing some, some more writing training and so I got to come up yeah. that we can bring up on, onto the channel. But the podcast has been fun too, because I get to bring guys like you on and, and, Chad, who would, who did one the other day, that's which will be released, which at this time should already be released at the time of recording this video. But um, yeah, man, it would just it's it's a constant, it's it's just constant conversation, con constant education. So so far so good. Yeah. But um, let's let's talk about um, kind of the way that survival or preparedness kind of goes in with motorcycles or motorcycle travel because. Uh, if you're into adventure motorcycles or dual sport motorcycles, chances are you're going to be maybe living off that thing for maybe a day, two, three, or more if you're doing a longer trip. Um, yeah. And and all of these skills that Phil Craft preaches and talks about, they can be carried over into this in this motorcycle space really easy. I mean, we talked about the best way to go out and figure out what you're lacking or what you don't have for preparedness is just go out and camp. Like take your take your bike, load it up, and uh, and and see where where the holes are that you need to fill. So, um, yeah. let's let's talk about a little bit kind of the basics when it comes to preparedness for motorcycle travel. Hundred um, percent. One of the things that we use vehicles in terms of systems and a preparedness like ecosystem is it's an extension of like let's say your rucksack or what you can carry on your person, right? So we can only do so much. We have so much capability. But all of us have to travel at some point in the day or month or whatever. So as Americans, um, we are super blessed to have some kind of vehicle that we can get to. On a world scale, you know, motorcycles are far less expensive, um, be it used or brand new. And on a world scale, whether you're a third world country or not, they're everywhere, right? So motorcycles fit into that niche of... Uh, preparedness that is an extension of your rucksack or your person, um, but it's also on the opposite end, just a little bit of a downgrade from your home. So you can build a system that's going to allow you to camp, then by default, you have a preparedness rig. Um, I mean, here on my side, you can see I'm actually working on some goose gear stuff in my truck, and I have the, dude, I got power in there, I got solar, I got a toilet in there, and I have a lot yeah. of comfortable things, right? But a motorcycle, um, will not give you the same capability. So right. the way that this fits in um, is it gives you something fast to move, um, a capability through, let's say, 
you know, congested um, um, areas. But even like I, I remember I was watching, I think it was the Pan America um, um, marketing that Jason Momoa did. And they took yeah. it back to like the original Harley marketing was, you know, it works where horses don't, you know, and, exactly. and cool about the mode of transportation that we're talking about is it's such a weapon to kind of quote our, our Australian brothers. You know, it's it's something that one, if you have, gives you more capability as a single or maybe two people, um, but also just so versatile in the things that you can accomplish um, in recreation, but also in yourself. preparedness. Yeah. And it, I mean, really it, it builds, if you're going to be living off of that, it builds a lot of resilience because you don't have the creature creature comforts that you would have in like your Jeep gladiator and things like that. But another thing about it too, is, um, you know, like you mentioned these third world countries, that is their mode of transportation. And you and I, you and I watched that one Instagram video where this dude was riding with like two or three kids on the back. And then he had this two by eight across like a wing and he had like his mom and his mother-in-law and his wife all i mean dude they had on whatever bike that was probably a honda something they right they had like eight eight people on that thing dude and they were going through some they were going through some some terrain that like most of us would be stressing out about and he's just like da, 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 you know cruising along so you know, all over the world, motorcycles are being used as modes of transportation. And I think we, as Americans, get really used to having the the the, the four wheels, right, to be able to go where we want to go. But in the event that there's, uh, you know, civil unrest or whatever it may be, and you are trying to, let's, let's just call it bug out, you're trying to get out of town and go to wherever you have, have planned. What if there's gridlock or what if the you know, there's uh, roads are closed or whatever? The nice thing about a motorcycle, perfect example, is the Ukraine and Russia incursion, whatever you want to call it, you know, the invasion. Um, as people were exiting Ukraine and trying to flee, you have a whole nation funneling into what it was like a six-lane highway right. the border going back and forth. And if you're in a big, you know, truck or even a Honda Civic, you're not going to be right. able to navigate through that. You know, a perfect example would be have a motorcycle split lanes and you're good you know so there's just yeah there's there's so many things that we can kind of talk about when it comes to stuff like that and and we can take that even further is like say you know you're you're trying to get far away from whatever civil unrest is happening and mm -hmm. the the motorcycle is going to be more fuel efficient it's going to be able to go more places so you can take that up in the woods on a two track or even a single track road to get to high ground or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish um so you can throw that motorcycle easily for most motorcycles. It can go onto a carrier of some sort or in the back of a pickup and then be unloaded and used for a point A to point B um, more efficiently than what a, uh, a vehicle or truck would be or a, or a car or anything like that. And then again, like I said, in case you're leaving town and there's gridlock, I mean, you can jump curbs, you can go across medians, all these things that a car and may not be able to do your, your Tesla, these people who are all the people that are buying these Teslas right now, it's a, dude, it's a great concept. It's great for commuting and I a hundred percent get it. But in the event that electricity isn't available at this point, what, what is your backup plan? A motorcycle might do a thing. So bro, have you seen, there's a, I think it's an Apple TV series. I think it's called encounter. I forget what it is, but, but anyways, it's, it's like an alien disaster flick or series tv show and um, i mean you know how you're into that wi-fi stuff do you, i mean I, it's like, it's like, um yeah 
the, the, what's funny is the the family in question in or the family that's the star of this beginning segment uh has two kids a husband and wife she's like a surgeon or some kind of med you know personnel doctor totally squared away but they drive a tesla and the first thing that happens when the grid goes down is they lo lose all the transportation and it becomes i gotta steal a car because i sure right. can't and can go buy one at this point you know but yeah yeah funny funny and that's a and that's a real thing I'm, I'm not trying to you know spread fear or like make people think that i'm just some kind of crazy you know i don't want to be a fear monger or prepper or anything like that but no. i'm trying to it's just it's just just think about it right like if you have an electric vehicle you need to have something that's not electric as a backup at Probably. my house my house runs on electricity when the power goes out a gas generator turns on to give me electricity so perfect example like in northern california i just did a documentary on our youtube channel on this okay uh northern california has a huge issue with wildfires right and sure. a lot of them, a good a good portion of them are caused actually by the power lines. So the the state or the county or whoever is the power that be says, what's going on? Like, what's the wind? Like the wind gets in there or they don't have something maintained or whatever. And the solution is, well, we shut them off if the wind gets to a certain area, right? So you don't have to stretch out to, oh, the, the zombies are coming or the aliens are coming. Right. Northern California, their power gets shut off because they don't want regularly. Regularly. That's a thing, you guys. Like. The third world understands that because their infrastructure isn't there. But us Americans who, you know, don't step past our freaking, you know, 10 mile radius to understand the rest of the world or even some parts of the nation actually deal with these things on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not trying to piss anybody off. If you own a Tesla, I, I think they're awesome. Don't get me wrong for what they <laughs> for what there are. That's like the technology is awesome. The, the, to be able to get from A to B with, you know, not having to buy fuel is great, but then you just need to have a contingency and a motorcycle is a great contingency for that. But we also had talked about, is it the perfect bug out vehicle? No. If you have a family, if you have a, if you have a family, it's not, you're not going to be able to carry all your passengers. I mean, how many motorcycles do you have to have for a family of five? Right. So then it's, and there's also, there's also, you got five. Right, right. But then there's also the risk of, of injury. You're not as protected. You're not in a metal cage, right? So um, if, if you don't have experience and you are trying to get where you need to go and you have a crash that cr creates a whole nother can of worms that could go wrong. But let's kind of just get back to um, overlanding with motorcycles, right? And be, and using that, using that as a, a secondary form of preparedness and so you're practicing when we go out and we go when we go out and we do backcountry discovery routes or just these multi-day trips in our area you may not realize it but you are practicing the preparedness of the worst case scenario so uh you know when you go out i feel like keep that in the back of your mind okay like in the events that we had to be out here for an extended matter of t or extended period of time what are some things that you need and you know Food, water, shelter are going to be those primary things, and I think you and I had talked about this a lot too. Um, I'm 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 to the point to where I could I can for a short amount of time easily live off the bike with very very minimal stuff. Right. But but in in the time in the the years that I've done moto camping, I'm, I I I bet I've moto camped five hundred plus times at least you know for over the over the years probably more than that i've gotten to the point to where i do like to be comfortable and there's a balance between carrying too much shit and being comfortable and it's just a matter of going out 
finding the gear that works for you and pack it pack it in a minimal way as, as minimal way as possible like my you and i had talked about that when our on our last trip where we were able to kind of it's a constant learning process i don't carry the same stuff today that i carried two years ago because there's always new stuff coming out that can be better right and and yeah and for for that reason so what are some things that you carry on on the bike when you go out there in arizona well that's excellent so and getting back to our, our last trip you know water right off the bat was it was a challenge as we were kind of looking at some of uh the best options that i had but also the luggage pieces that i had you really are limited to maybe a handful or a couple of ways to carry a significant amount of water in the desert and you really do need water i mean even if you look at that video, I was, dude, I was laughing at it when you just sent, because I was legit cramping up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's, let me stop you there just for a second. And, and when I went down there, I, it was in the back of my mind, but I hadn't really thought about it. You know, I knew it was okay. It's, it's, it's winter down there. Surely there's some water somewhere. And then there's not like here in the summertime in the, the heaviest drought that North Idaho has, or that the Northwest has, there's creeks that run. 365 days, 24 seven. So water's easy to get and you don't have to carry a ton of water on the motorcycle, but down where you live, obviously water is the, the lifeline of humans. You have to be prepared for that. So 100%. Well, let's, let's, let me, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me even break it down into the whole, you know, worldview that I was talking about at the beginning. The only reason why Phoenix exists is because we're able to pipe water from the Hoover dam. And I, dude, I don't even know how many, I probably look it up. I, I want to say there's like 60 or more, maybe 70. And don't quote me on that. I could be saying that wrong. A reservoirs. We have man-made lakes here in the state, just because we couldn't exist without those modern feats of engineering that are just phenomenal. Right. So right. forget about that. And I'm in the low lying areas of Arizona in the Valley. That's what I call it. Valley. There's no water naturally that occurs out here. Right. So when I'm carrying it, I'm thinking how many days, you know, what's the amount of time? Um, and I know, you know, I can use one of my camelbacks for one day and, and I'll be really good. Was that like a hundred liters? I don't, I don't remember. hundred. Yeah. hundred ounces or something. Yeah. Or hundred ounces. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, that's like priority one, even though it was winter time and I'm not seeing 118 degrees, which we can see during summer, you have 0% humidity at the same time. Right. Right. And you're so, riding sand washes and stuff like that. You're going to be sweating no matter if, no matter if it's 60 degrees or not, because we were both were, we were both pretty wet after the, after that trip. Yep. Right. So, so water, I think for me being a desert ride is like, okay, that's like, how do I work that out? Um, so to, to kind of give that answer, um, I have, uh, um, uh, um, who is it? Moscomoto tape bag that can actually give me the hundred ounces. Um, then I can mount it up there with, you know, the mouthpiece and actually while I ride, um, drink that, but I also have the ability to take that off, put it on my back or wear like a, a wolf uh, enduro, you know, chest rig with the exact same amount of water there and then as a supplement and we ended up using this uh for feet the next morning remember um i had a, a jeep uh, flask or a, it was like a stainless steel big bottle that fits into my Hydro flask yeah. yeah 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 and those three things you know i, I could have done two two days three days i think maybe three days mm -hmm. Maybe not. depending on the heat yeah um, depending on the heat but yeah that's which which that was another thing right it was uh like 65 degrees in the daytime and then it got down at night to like 31 degrees it's oh, a it was 30 30 30 plus degree uh temperature swing which you don't see in a lot of other places so you just have to kind of be prepared for both not only 
the heat, but you need to be prepared for cold at night. So, um, which, yeah, so that's, that's your water. We were able to bring some food out there. Um, you know, mountain houses are always a great, a great option, but we, we actually cooked steaks that night. We were able to bring it. And, you know, go to the, go to the store on the way out and be able to bring steaks. That's not always going to be the option. So mountain house is a good, a good way for your, so that covers your food, your water, uh, for shelter. We discussed this as well. There's, there's a, there's two camps usually when it comes to living off a motorcycle, there's your tent guys, tent, we'll call it tent, bivy, lean to ground sleepers. And then there's your hammock people. Hammocks don't work in the desert. There was, there was not two cactuses close enough to tie, to, to, to tie uh, a hammock to, and nor, nor would I want to use the motorcycles as, as a sturdy. No. Yeah. So actually I have a story on that. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, uh, motorcycles and, and even people like using tarps off them, um, never really was comfortable with that idea. Although you can, um, and this is, you know, region dependent, but the last time we did um, some training, actually it was for a, a TV show at uh, Spanish Fork, Utah. Um, there was a herd of cattle actually on the property that we were staying at. And for some reason, one of them got it in their head, I'm talking about the cows, to like at four in the morning come up um, to one of the girls, it was a Tacoma, and started like scratching its back on the Tacoma, which her rooftop tent was, and it freaked her out because she wakes up, you know, four in the morning, three in the morning, like what's moving? And, you know, lo and behold, it's just, it's an animal who's really not yeah. considering anything other than I'm just going to scratch this itch or whatever. And right. the, the thing that was scary is it was also doing it to, they had some dirt bikes there. Um, and I can, I can only imagine the damage that would cause if that bike falls over on top of you while you're asleep, you know? So right. I don't know. I'd call it a fluke. I, I never considered anything like that. No. But that's this way kind of some of the lessons you learn just by going out and doing it. So I'm glad well, you gave that. A lot of these, uh, I mean, we've, I've had cows in camp a ton because a lot of these national forest lands and BLM lands are leased by ranchers who free range cattle on them. So I was actually kind of surprised that there was cattle in the desert where we were camping, but that's the same, it's the same, same thing we have up here. You know, it, there's this thick lush forest in the mountains. It'll be at 8,000 feet and they'll have cows come into your camp. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> You'll have cow moo cow, and then you'll have cow um, elk, or you'll have cow you right. know, moose or whatever, you know. So, um, it was like your last video, or what? They get they get they get hung up in some guidelines or whatever for your tarp or your or for your um, your hammock. That's a bad situation. I mean, again, yeah. it's it it would be a fluke situation, but um, I prefer the tent mainly because you know for a fact that you will be able to set that thing up just about anywhere. Oh, man, 100%. I've, I've done hammock backpacking, like, on one trip to have a soup out here. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. Like, if, you, if you're at all interested in, in backpacking, it's like a bucket list trip. Um, it goes through some of the Navajo Res. Uh, look at what well, is all Navajo, or not a Navajo Res. It is a reservation. And, um, yeah, it gives you, well, it leaves you kind of exposed. So... There's a ton of raccoons there. So my wife and I, mainly my wife, like like battled with these raccoons all night because we were in hammocks. And I'll, just, I'll never do it again. It's just one of those things. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to avoid all that. I mean, literally, you know, you're reclined back in this hammock and you feel this little of raccoon. He's trying to join you. <laughs> like wow. flashing my light. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like little hand, little, with the, little black hand. Little, like, I'm little black 
that's funny. <laughs> Never again. So, yeah, and a, a lot of people, their their argument is that well, the tent's always going to be bigger and heavier. Well, the tent that I carry from Big Agnes, sure. the, the bike, yeah. the bike packing tent. I mean, it's it's can't even get it on camera. It's like it's twelve or thirteen inches long, about this big around, and dude, it's a full ground fly tent rain fly poles everything and it's a three season tent i mean it doesn't have an insulated an insulating layer but at 30 degrees i was totally comfortable i don't know if i'd be able to sleep i've I've been down to 20 in that would i want to do that every day no but it, it's it's fine it works yeah so so that's that's food water shelter the next thing we uh that you would like to have with you is some type of sleeping pad yeah there's million out there that are that are a good option um the one that you had was the the nemo right so i have a nemo i forget the brand of the other one it's a hunting brand you remember climate wasn't it yes yeah the climate yeah yep yep and that one is a three season my nemo is a four season but like they the nemo doubles in size so depending on how my loadout is um uh, i'll use the nemo as a matter of fact uh, i got that one from an overlanding trip that I did with uh, History Channel A and E, it was part of our our loadout that they gave us. We did seven days, you know, and I was at the rim of the Grand Canyon. We went to Kanab, Utah, and the Coral Peak Sand Dunes, and I slept in that thing up until about like what twenty nine degrees, thirty degrees. Um, yeah, but the well, you've done you've though. done some awesome trips. Yeah, 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 yeah. super privileged, bro. Um, I I always like to throw in the trips because. It gives a basis for understanding. You know, one of the things that I yeah. think you talk about this all the time is that is that people will comment on certain things that we're doing and have never camped in their life, and it's just all this theory and don't know. Well, I've done it once or twice, and all of a sudden, yeah, it's in it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're not doing it right because the bike weighs too much or whatever that is. Whatever. Yeah. If, you know, we and this is why, honestly, why we we brought you to us to learn from you is because of the amount of times that you've done it, but. Um, yeah, I used the, the climate uh, because it's a three season and it's super small. Dude, it's, it was um, the same size as like a like a beer can when it, yeah, when it goes yeah. down, um, but enough insulation from the ground to where that that cold, you know, temperature isn't transferring through the pad and and, and freezing me. So yeah, it worked really well. And I kind of go a little bit on the opposite direction. I use a, a big Agnes uh, Q core which that's a, a four inch thick mattress. It's 30 inches wide by 78, I think inches long. And that's just, I'm willing to, to sacrifice the packing space. It still doesn't weigh that much in the big scheme of things, but I'm willing to sacrifice the packing space to be, and that's a four season uh, insulated. Mm. It's got a high R value, works great in the summertime, but also works really good in that cold weather. And I'm a side sleeper. So um, I can lay, I can lay, I can lay on that thing on my side and still not touch the ground, which it's the only one I've ever used. Only one I've yeah. ever used where I, I, I don't touch the ground. So, and just from like, you know, military football, law enforcement injuries, like I, I can't lay very long in one spot. So, ha for, so yeah, age, right. Being 40, it's just still young. Right. <laughs> so, so from that alone, I, I, I think we talked about this too, for when you're going to be in on, on a trip for multiple days, the one thing that I will sacrifice over anything else is sleep because that's the, that is the thing that is going to make the trip one more enjoyable, but it's also 
going to keep you, uh, your mind, your mindset right to where you're not foggy or cloudy when you're doing this, this technical writing, because let's be honest, it only takes a little mistake or uh, a little bit of not paying attention to what's going on to have a, to have a catastrophic injury that one not only will end your, end your trip, but might put you yeah. in a, a helicopter getting, going to the hospital. So, yeah. uh, so I, I like to get good quality sleep when I'm out there. Just it's, it's a safety thing, I guess, at the end of the day. So anyway, so yeah, that, that air mattress, I'll leave that down in the links below. Um, it, all this gear that we've talked about will be in the yeah. links below for you guys to check out. But, um, the next thing moving from that was sleeping bag. We, I use a quilt, use a sleeping bag. I mean, it, that's what, I, there's really no, I don't see a real, you are, you are super comfortable in yours. I was comfortable in mine. That's really just going to be a, um, a personal preference. Yeah. And then one thing that you didn't have that I had was a pillow. Right. Right. Yeah. And you, it, you survived, but again, it wasn't, you probably didn't get the best sleep from what we were talked about at the time. Like you didn't yeah. have most, most restful sleep that night. Whereas I used a inflatable memory foam pillow that packs down real small and it's like, it's like sleeping at home. It is Gucci. And, and but, it, yeah. and, but again, it wouldn't be that way if I had just started yesterday, right. you know, I've, I've been, I've been moto camping shoot probably since 2007. So right. now I've got almost 20 years of doing it with going from using military gear that was issued to me that I was double using, you know, on government's dime. Hey, it's, I had it in my closet, might as well use it. Right. So, and, but then you kind of find point? out that, yeah, it just doesn't, those, that doesn't do as well as what, if you're looking for good gear, use ultralight backpacking gear. That's, that's really perfect example. And that's, that's got a lot to do. Like even my choices for that last trip had a lot to do with, I was running the, the reckless 40. Um, so I made certain changes based on how much space I had and the amount of time we're going to be out there. I knew to kind of talk about the pillow. I knew it was a, a I'm a face sleeper and typically yeah. I'll just like hug like my jacket or something and I'm good. Um, but if I was going to stay longer, man, I would love to get that, that memory foam pillow that you had. That was, that was really nice. And it, and it is all bike dependent, right? If you're, if you're on a 500 EXC KTM or you're on a GS 1250 adventure, obviously the, the, the loadout is going to be different. You can carry, you can carry more weight. Not that you should carry a ton of weight on the GS because the bike, no matter what bike it is, the more weight you add to it, it's just going to handle different. But you can't go and put a reckless 80 on a five. I suppose you could. I wouldn't recommend putting a, a Moscow Moto reckless 80 on the 500 EXC or a 450 or anything like that. Cause it's just going to be too big, too bulky for that bike. Well, and if you remember, right, right. And if you have the space, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, your, your, uh, 300 rally, you ran the 40 liter and that, that 40 liter fits that bike like it should. That's what it's, it seems like that's what it's made for. Now, granted, if you were running the 500 and you used your reckless 10, it might change a little bit what you're going to be packing, but at the same time, that's not a bike that you're going to be using for a multi-day camping trip. You, you exactly. could, if you're only going to be doing it for maybe two, three days, uh, before, you know, it's not going to be that fun anymore. Or you run out, right. or you run out, you run out of supplies, or whatever that may be. You know, I mean, some people dig. That. What is your mission? Exactly, it's all it's all mission dependent on what vehicle. I, I can take my my GS or my Africa Twin or even that T7, 
and or your Aprilia, any any adventure bike that's a that's marketed that way, you could take those bikes. I mean, you can do it with a dual sport too, I suppose, but um, you can live off those indefinitely if you had to. I mean, there's guys who take the GS and they travel for a year or more, you know, going all over the all over the world, and that's really all I need. So, anyway, I think we're kind of getting off on this. Uh, we, I could talk about that stuff forever. I super I I, I enjoy that, but um, just kind of wrapping it up. If you're, if you're curious about fuel crab survival and what they're about, there's a ton of, um, there, there's their Instagram, there's the YouTube page, there's, uh, the app, there's all kinds of things that are educational that you can learn from. And if you're looking for a reason to go camping and you need to tell your wife why you need to go do moto camping, it's because you're practicing for the worst case scenario to keep your family safe. So I mean, like, and at the end of the day, that is really, that is the best way to kind of prepare yourself, your family, your gear, everything that you have is, is to go out and practice that. And the only way to do that is to, is to go out on these trips and, and, and see what works and what doesn't. And at the same time, it's pretty damn fun. So, um, so as far as the, the camping gear goes, I think we kind of have that covered, but two things that people may not think of is when you're out on these trips or out in the the wilderness or you know up in the mountains in idaho or even in the desert there's a couple of things that one are going to keep you safe or at least prepared for maybe the worst case scenario and one of those would be uh you get injured or you get hurt um having a proper medical kit would be something that it's it's a must like don't don't leave home without it right so what do you what do you carry on your person or on your motorcycle whenever you go on these trips well, I, I like that you said that on your person, because that is like the square one. You know, um, I've, I've used a reference for uh, Dakar. I've seen a lot of the Dakar guys putting med kits like behind their windscreen um, or somewhere on the bike. And those dudes are doing, you know, sometimes triple digit speeds sustained, you know. So on your person um, provides you with a challenge and when it comes to what you carry. Um so when we look at the numbers and, and when we look at, you know, first responders, which I do have, you know, in our staff at Fieldcraft Survival, um, a lot of the things that you'll see in terms of injuries, and even on a minor scale, but also is, it could be pretty extreme, um, injury is your long limbs, right? So that's your, your, your arms and your legs. Uh, you're exposed when you're sitting on a motorcycle um, to that. So, you know, a, a good first line of defense would be obviously the right pants or gear. Um, but to address, let's say a traumatic event, you need to be able to stabilize, um, said injury, like if you got a broken ankle or wrist or whatever, you know, you still have to use those pieces if, to extract yourself if, if it's, you know, not available. So a good way to not only prevent more injury, um, but to stabilize the area would be like a sand splint or something moldable. Mm. Um, so I, ha I actually have one of those in my, my Wolf Enduro pack right here, just folded, right. um, around the next piece. I don't know if you want to talk more about that. Um, well, and that's the thing too, is that I think there's a lot of people out there who just, oh, I can't ride with a backpack or I can't ride with a, a vest or whatever. But in the event that you get, well, most of the time, almost every time you have a, a decent off on the motorcycle, you're not going to be with the motorcycle anymore. So that life-saving equipment, that, that, that medical first aid gear that you have, if it's not on you in some way, shape or form, it doesn't do you any good. Right. So um, the Sam splint, for instance, right. If it's not in a backpack or anything to, to brace, cause you're, if you break your 
tibia fibia like we like we've dealt with recently with uh chad who in the last episode he's not, uh, he's not walking back or he, he would have a hell of a time even getting back to the motorcycle if he had to crawl just because that foot was just you know wasn't gonna have it right so you need to be able to stabilize that there before you move yourself if you're by yourself i mean if you're with people even if you're with people um it, it really has has the it's nice to be, Hey, I have a same splint in my backpack and not like, Hey, I have a same splint somewhere in my reckless 80. And then they have to go pull all your shit out and try to find it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, and then tourniquet, right. That's another, I'm probably jumping ahead of you, but yeah. Well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Started wrong. There's, there's an algorithm that we go through, right? It's the, the March algorithm and, and M-A-R-C-H is, is the acronym. And when you go through those stuff for a, for a major incident, um, massive hemorrhaging, the M is the first thing that you look at. So you're right. I mean, I, I just pulled out, you know, randomly the, the Sam Smith, but, but a tourniquet will address a massive hemorrhaging. And, and just like the name, um, describes, you know, you're talking lots of bright blood everywhere, you know, uh, you've got some kind of femoral bleed or, or something, you know, God forbid you lost the foot or it came apart, you know, you need to be able to stop and address that. So there's, there's a couple ways, but the best is with a, what is it, $29, $39 piece of equipment called, uh, you know, a cat's tourniquet or um, a soft tee. Um, yeah. And you can easily deploy that and stop that and address that life-ending injury right then and there, you know. Yeah, and then like all of this equipment, right, practice with it. Like you sit there, put it on with one arm, put it on with, you know, have not, try not to move your leg because in the event that – Oh, I've got my tourniquet in my chest rig. I'm, I'm bleeding out. Let me take it out, take it out of the wrapper. That's, I mean, that's seconds that literally matter at this point. And again, I'm not like trying to spread fear on people, but right. Based off my training and experience that I've had in both military and law enforcement, when it's time for a tourniquet, I mean, the seconds count. And if you, if you, and if you don't know how to apply it or at least being familiar with it, um, you could literally die. You could literally die from not having that knowledge. So absolutely. I, I carry one in my chest rig all the time on whether I'm using the Moscow bag or I'm using the Wolf Enduro bag it, there. It's right there within arm's reach either for yeah. me to apply or my buddy to apply to if in, in the event that I need it. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it would just be, you know, a, a, a Trump kid or an IFAC or something. Um, you know, we sell those at Philcraft's Rival. If you guys don't know where to get started, it's a good place to look on our website. Um, yeah. But it'll address, you know, any kind of, let's say, penetrating injury, you know. Um, in our last trip, I got a, a bug in my helmet. So I could have gotten a penetrating wound by something like that. I mean, those are all things that could potentially happen, you know. Or or baby, baby bugs in your ear. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, a med kit, tourniquet, Sam split, those are all really great things to have on you, you know, it's expensive and emergency. And then lastly, kind of like, like I hit on in the last episode too with Chad, um, an, an inreach, having something that is going to be able to reach out when, when you're not, when it's not available by cell phone or radio, right. Having that inreach that, I mean, minimum $11 a month. Right. And again, like I mentioned before, having the insurance, you know, with confidence that you can push that button, the cavalry will be there. And, you know, again, as long as you can stabilize the injury, uh, if you're hemorrhaging or anything like that, 
you're going to get out of there and you'll, you're going to be okay. So having that, having that in back of your mind is a, is a huge mental uh, crutch to have in, in the worst yeah. case scenario. So, yeah. works. So then the next thing uh, would be protection. So when I, when I talk about protection, I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, having a, <laughs> I'm not talking about wearing the right, you know, where my mind went for a second. I'm not, I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about having a, a cage around you when you're riding or wearing the proper gear. I'm talking about having the, the ability to protect, to protect yourself whenever you're at camp or just out on the motorcycle in general. And some of the ways that we do that. And depending on your state and the laws and stuff that you have, um, it's firearms. I, I carry a pistol with me, you know, 20, not 24 seven, but on all, all my trips. And I know that, you know, in the event that I need it, it's going to be readily available. And again, I carry that in my chest rig. So it's easily to get to if I'm with the bike or not, but depending on your state, I mean, bear spray, another good one, another good one to have. I mean, if I spray you with bear spray, you're not going to mess with me. You're going it, to, it's, it's just as bad as pepper spray if not worse so um yeah do you have any do you have any thoughts on that yeah it just you know it, it becomes another issue of how do i carry and, and i and i feel like i get that question a lot do you carry I'm like, well, yeah obviously uh but how and in there are some products um like what we discussed you know even the backpack with the um with the water in it has an area of air that you can safely do that um, at Fieldcraft Survival, we actually do have an offering. Uh, we call it the Backcountry Carrier. Uh, that's probably more better suited for like like day rides rather than you know the, the long stuff that we're doing. But um, it does have provisions already built around that. You know, and and this is coming from um, uh, the security background of Fieldcraft Survival, not mine. I'm more of the uh, behavioral health side in my you know career. But security is always the top priority when it comes. To like the pillars we discussed, right? If you, if you can't secure the stuff that you have in a, an emergency, um, then it becomes someone else's, and you have nothing. So uh, when you prioritize that, uh, it becomes uh, a, not a chore, but it becomes necessary to be creative in that sense. So um, I always, yeah, you know, a small Glock or whatever, yeah. And I, and I get that comment sometimes. Like I've some of my some of my camping videos, you know, I'll have my pistol sitting there on a log or whatever, and people ask me or they'll, they'll say to me that that's not going to do anything if a bear attacks you. Maybe not. It'll slow it down for sure. But here's the deal, guys. I'm not carrying a freaking shotgun. I'm not going to carry right. uh, a short barrel rifle or an AR or something like that on my motorcycle. It just doesn't make any sense, right? So at the end of the day, I'm going to I'm gonna carry what is going to potentially have the best uh, advantage in, in my situation. So like a 10 mil or, you know, whatever, whatever caliber it is, let's get, let's jump to that really quick. I saw a thing the other day that, um, I'm, I'm not sure how old that this, this article was, but the, the largest bear killed in Alaska, grizzly killed in Alaska for self-defense was actually by a 22 pistol. What? It was by, it was by like a 16 or 15 year old girl. So. We, we can talk calibers all day, but at the end of the day, one well-placed shot is all you need. So, well, that, that's the, that's the issue with that statement. Like, it's not going to do anything. Bear says who like you, I, what, what's the alternative? I guess I just die. Like, I don't right. understand that, that defeatist mentality. Like shot placement is everything. You clearly aren't a hunter. You know, I mean, you, you've seen us and people since the beginning of time dropping animals with sticks and stones, you know, it's like, 
get out of here with that nonsense. You know, I'm oh, going to protect my sodomite. Give me a fixed blade knife at the minimum, right? Like, like a, a, a freaking six inch fixed blade knife. If I'm getting attacked by a bear, dude, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. I mean, if I die, I'm going to go out freaking slashing. So anyway, I, I, and that's the thing I, I, where, where I live, we've got a lot of bear. We've got things like that, but I, I have never in the, in the years that I've camped up here, I've never had any issues that I've only had issues with moose. Funny enough. I've never had issues with bear. So it's just a matter of like knowing your environment. Don't, don't camp in your tent with all your food. I mean, just do things like that to keep, to pr protect yourself. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because yep. I do, you, you and I both get that question all the time. Do you, do you yeah. carry while you're riding or while you're overlanding? And the, the answer is yes. So whatever, whatever works for you and you feel comfortable with carrying, do that as long as you have something. So, well, man, uh, I think we've talked about all we can as far as, uh, preparedness. Um, again, Philcraft survival is a great tool, a great, um, resource to be able to go on and check out all of the things they offer uh do you have anything else that you would like to add no um you know as we kind of it's cool that this is the third episode um because you're you know building this community uh, which is the foundation for everything that we're doing you know there are no plausible solutions for survival in any situation without other people you know um, even just from like a behavioral health standpoint, you know, we were designed to have others. Uh, but when you need resources, when you need security, when you need help, which you most definitely will in disaster or, or man-made or not, you know, the community's there. So I just appreciate case in point that you're doing this and the information is out. And for those of you guys watching, you know, it is my intent that you, we continue to build it, whether it's for crush or not, you know, what? Whether it's right. country, whether it's Moscow, whoever, like it, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you do. If you you want to get on two wheels, let's let's do it. Um, but with that being said, you know, tap into our resources, reach out. Me and Kyle are always available to answer questions. Or maybe we didn't get something right. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to go on more trip, you know, and do that stuff. But that's what this is all about: is community and you guys. Yeah, the whole point of these uh, these podcasts are really just to to bring people like you on that may not necessarily have um, you have a lot of knowledge in the the overlanding and in the preparedness space, and it's to share your knowledge with others who may not have that knowledge. So I I sure as hell don't have all the answers, and so um, that's why it's not just me on here talking you know for forty five plus minutes. It's I'm trying to bring people on who have the knowledge that can help this community, but also build another community or build more of this community, um, and, and kind of spread the word, spread, spread the knowledge, spread the love. So, yes, sir. um, anyway, man, I really appreciate it. Where can, uh, people who are listening to this or who, whoever's watching this work and they find you at, Oh, they can find me on Instagram. Um, my name is Mike Dotty Hernandez across Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Hernandez garage is my other Instagram. You can find me at philcrossrevival.com. Um, any of those sources, uh, you know what, dude? And I'm probably gonna have to start a, uh, a what's it called a TikTok. And I hate to say that because mm. <laughs> I don't like it. But we're like trying to expand. Like I was talking about community. Yeah, and we have to reach the community. But I don't have that yet. But yeah, find me on those. I'm not there yet either. Yeah, right. <laughs> DM me. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions at all, leave them down in the comments below. Both me and Mike will be kind of kind of watching the, the comments in this video and we'll answer the best we can but yeah man uh have a great day and we'll see you here on the next one man peace